Hey, good morning. If you're new, I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and um, you should know, just kind of full disclosure, I've been in bed for the last seven or eight days uh, with the flu. Um, To say that I'm better tests the limits of the word better, Um, but some people will tell you that um, semi-conscious Charlie is a better preacher because you never know what he's going to say. So we'll just go with that today, but just you know, um, good to be with you guys in our, our, um, our, our, um, our MOVE series. And um, for people who, who, who've known me for a while, or um, you know, I've talked about this a few times here, um, it's kind of come legendary, the, um, the conversation that I'll have with, with any boy that wants to date one of my daughters. And I've had the opportunity to have this conversation um, several times now. And anytime I talk about it, people, the, the image they get into their head like, is of the, of, the, of the dad with the shotgun, right? I, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to intimidate this. And, and, I, and I'll say this to them. I'll say, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to scare you. Because here's the thing that I think. I don't say this to them. But the thing that I think is I, eventually I'm going to have this conversation for the last time, Right? And I want to have a good relationship with this guy, right? I don't, I don't want to start off with, I might kill you. You know, the relationship, you know, it's, it's hard to improve from there. Um, but, you know, but I say, I'm, I'm trying to call you up. I'm trying to help you understand really what it, what it means to be a man and, 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 and how to really, how to take care of a woman. And here's the thing that I'll say, and this has kind of become a phrase, you know, you have this conversation enough times, you start to really polish and refine in my mind, like, what is I'm trying to get across? And I'll say this to them. I say, well, the, perhaps the most important role that I play in my life is that I am the guardian of the honor and purity of my daughters. That's my job. Kind of a lofty phrase, right? Can you imagine me and there's a 17-year-old boy right in front of me and I'm telling him, and so then I say this to him, I say this to him, I'm like, listen, so what you're asking me to do is you're saying that for a brief window of time, I can trust you to be the guardian of my daughter's honor and her purity. Can I trust you to do that? Right? It's kind of a weird deal. And, and, you might, and you might think, you might think that, that, that I'm getting eye rolls at this point or, or confusion, but you can really kind of see every time you see in this moment this kind of the, the shoulders kind of raise. It's like, like they, I, they, they like this idea. They, they, want, they want that. It's like, and, and I'll hear this from them. I, I, like, no one talks like this. But they don't mean it in a bad way. They, they, it... It's good. And here's the thing, another thing that I tell them, and I've, I've, I've got a captive audience, so I can say as many things as I want. Like, dude, you're asking me for something, so we're, I'm, yeah. so like, let me tell you the difference between a boy and a man. What a boy will do when he's, when he's, when he's on a date with a girl, he will see is how much can he get away with until she says no. Let me tell you what a man does. A man will never put a woman in a position where she has to say no. So let me ask you, can I trust you to be a man in your relationship with my daughter because I don't want her dating a boy? And again, I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm trying to help these young men have a clear definition for what manhood is because if there's anything that has become very clear to me over the last year, 
is that there is not a clear definition out there of what a man is supposed to be and how a man is supposed to treat a woman. Now I'm in full rant mode. Because it, it, is, it is insane to me the number of boys out there in men's bodies treating women as disrespectfully as they are. And it is clear to me that they have no idea how to behave. And I won't mention any names, and I'll try to be as delicate about this as I possibly can. But it's hard. One of these guys who has been accused of some of these awful things, what he would do is he would lure women into his hotel room, and then he would just, shall we say, take it out. Okay? All right? And, and when confronted on this, he said, I didn't think it was wrong because I always asked first. I don't know what's worse, that, that that's a lie or that it's the truth. I'm afraid it's the truth. I'm afraid he really thought that as long as I asked first, I could have him make an appearance anytime I wanted. As long as I asked her first, can I take it out? This is horrible. And, 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 and so... I, it's like it becomes more apparent to me how important it is that this conversation that I have with these boys, because apparently no one's having these conversations. And we have men out there operating under the instincts of 13 year old boys. And um, men don't know how to be men. And so, and so just, just as a side note, if you are behaving in any way, even potentially inappropriately with the women in your life, please stop it. And if you're unclear about what is or is not uh, appropriate, you may meet me at my very special booth at the McDonald's at Mission and Crossover. I will buy your drink and we will sit there and I will give you the speech. Because this is completely unacceptable. Because here's the thing, between my, my conversations with these boys and, and, and the ridiculousness of... Of, of an overwhelming thousands and I'm afraid millions of men in this country. That we have no idea, no one is telling us how to become men, how to become uh, adults, much less how to be a godly follower of Jesus Christ. And so we'll just start with this idea. Everyone needs someone. That's kind of the whole point of the series. The whole point of this series is that it seems like that us left to our own, we're failing. And we need strong mentors in our life. We need strong accountability and friends with each other. Not only do we need to gather on Sunday to experience kind of corporate worship and a, and a word from God, we need small groups to kind of build friendships, but even more, we need these kind of discipleship mentoring kinds of relationships where there's somebody get pouring into me and I need to be doing the same thing for someone else. And, and, and we've got these discipleship videos that, that we've created to kind of help these kind of smaller groups of two to three men or women to kind of come together and kind of talk about the things that matter and, and kind of help each other. We need someone. And so what Mark introduced last week when we started our move series was this wheel diagram. And in this wheel illustration, what he talked about last week is that Jesus is not supposed to be a sliver of your life, but he's meant to be the center of your life. And so if we're going to become what it says on the wall as you walk in, 
fully devoted, world-changing followers of Christ, and, 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 and we're going to be there for each other and become the men and women that God have called us to be, we've got to start with, I mean, Jesus is the center. So many of us, we kind of live a life of, my, my spiritual life is a part of my life. But a, a, a true follower of Christ doesn't have God as a part of his life. He, Jesus is the center of the life. Right? So that's what Mark talked about last week. If you, if you missed that, I encourage you to check out the podcast or the, the, the replay of the feed on Facebook or something like that. But today we're going to be kind of talking about this, this, this outer rim of the Christian life. And it says there, the obedient Christian in action. And so that outside piece of the wheel we're going to call obedience. And what I want you to imagine is, is that a wheel kind of when it's moving, right? When, it, when it's in motion, what is it? What is it that makes it move? What does it look like for I, I'm a Christian life and I'm, I'm moving. I'm making progress. I'm moving. What does it look like? An active Christian life. What it looks like when someone is obedient. Someone who is actively, daily following the commands of Jesus Christ. And so while Jesus is the center, really kind of the evidence the evidence of that I am a Christian life that is, that is growing, that is moving, is my obedience. And so we're going to look today at a few verses in John chapter 14. You can go ahead and, 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 and open that up if you'd like. John chapter 14. And, and in this, um, Jesus is kind of transitioning a little bit as he's talking to his disciples. He's talking about that he's going to be, he's going to be leaving soon. He says, but it's okay, because now you guys know the way to the Father. And like, I don't really know if I know the way. And then he says this, one of the most controversial, but I think most powerful verses in Scripture. He says, well, I'm the way, and the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one has a relationship with God except through me. John 14, 6. And he's like, well, I mean, if you could just show us the Father, that would be enough. He's like, and he's like, you don't get it. If you've seen me, you've, you've seen the Father. And I'm, and I'm about to leave you, but that's okay because I'm going to prepare a better place for you, and that's good. But it's also good for me to, to, to go because if I'll go, then, then another helper is going to come, a, 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 someone who will be able to help you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, well, the Holy Spirit, it's actually better that the Holy Spirit be here because me, I'm just one dude who can be in one place at one time. But if the Holy Spirit comes, he can be everywhere and actually will not be an outside advisor, but an inward counselor for you. And so he's explaining to them what this will look like for the Holy Spirit presence to be with them. But all throughout this, he kind of tells them, if this is what you want... If you want God's presence in a deeper, more powerful way in your life, there's a key to this that you need to understand. And he says it in the course of just a few verses. He says it in different ways, three different times. And we're just going to look at them all really quickly. And the first one is verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. It's very simple, mate. You want to show that you love me, do the things I've told you to do. Verse 21, he says that he expands on it a little bit. <coughs> whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. So he kind of says, hey, if, if you understand the things that I've told you and, and, and you obey them, then that shows that you love me. 
And the person that loves me will be loved by God the Father. I will love them. And then I'll be able to show and disclose myself to you in a deeper, more powerful way. And they ask him a question about it, and he responds to this. Like, like, I guess you just didn't just hear me. I'll say the exact same thing again. Verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So he just kind of keeps saying it a different way. If you love me, then obey the things that I've told you to do. And my Father, you'll experience His love, you'll experience my love, and we'll come to you and make our home with you. So this kind of promise of, of intimacy, of, of fellowship, of disclosure, of, of guidance, it's all predicated, though, on this one thing that he just continues to repeat, which is obedience. And we'll say it this way. Loving God, loving God means obedience. If you want to love God, then obey the commandments. And now some of you are like, oh, great. 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 I come to this church because I thought it was different. Now we're going to have some preacher out there. He's going to be telling me, yeah, the problem with you is you're doing all the bad things and you're sinners and you're terrible and you need to stop with the thing and do the better things and give us the money and you're bad. And, rah, rah, rah. and we have it in our head, right? We have this, in our, this idea in our head that, that obeying God's commandments is something that angry preachers say. Right? And, 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 it's, and it's a guilt mechanism that angry preachers use to make us feel bad and to kind of get some sort of compliance or something. And we have this kind of trigger that kind of happens with us when we start talking about, you better obey. Right? But here's the thing that I would like to do. This idea, this loving God means obedience, I didn't make this up. I got this from a well-respected source. We'll attribute the quote to this guy. We'll attribute it to Jesus, Right? I'm not saying that it has not been communicated to you very poorly over the course of your lifetime. And that it is not currently being communicated very poorly in places all around the world this morning. But the reality of it is this idea that love for God is equated with obedience. The reason why people think that is because that's what Jesus said. That your love for God, your love for Jesus is manifest primarily in your obedience to his commandments. Now you, you may want that to be different. Oh, it's, it's, about, it's about emotion. It's about, it's about connection. And God's love is supposed to be, to be unconditional. And you can say all those things and, and there's glimmers, there's little you know, specks of truth and all of that. But the reality still remains Love for God is shown and proven by obedience. To say that you love God but do not want to follow His commandments does not make sense. It would not have made sense to Jesus. It does not make sense to any of the authors of any of the scripture. It does not make sense to God and it should not be able to make sense in your own head. My love for God is demonstrated by my obedience. The problem is is that we really, the, we, we like to reject or minimize power structures and power authorities in our own life. No one is the boss of me. Everything I do, I do because I want to, and no one can ever tell me nothing, right? We don't like to think of power structures. Anyone, anyone or anything really having any real power or authority over me. Part of that's a human thing, part of it is an American thing, and part of it is 
uh, uh, we're adolescents trapped in adult bodies. But the reality of it is, is that there is a power structure between us and God. He's God, the authority, of the, unit, the authority and creator and owner of everything, including you. And we don't want that to be true, but it is true. But if we accept the idea that there are authority structures in our life, then I think that this makes a little sense that loving God means obedience. <clears throat> a couple of illustrations. Just think about what it means to be a parent. How do you know if your kids love that you're their parent? Not that you're fun, not that you have a good relationship with them, or that you enjoy it. But they love, I love that that's my parent. I love that. I love that you're my dad. I love that you're my mom. How do you know that it's true? Hey, hey, will, will you clean up your room? No! Don't talk to me that way. It's time to go to bed. I don't want to go to bed! Oh, it's so sweet. I love you too, sweetie. I'm glad we have such an open, honest relationship where you can scream at me in Walmart again. No, there's, a, there's an authority structure there. And the relationship is good when they respond to your commands as authoritative and without the back talk. Right? What about your job? How do you know, how does your boss know if you really love your job? If you are doing the job, right? You're actually doing the work that they're paying you for. It's like, man, I love this job. It's like, you don't do anything. I'm like, no, no, that's why I love it. Yeah, you're fired. A love for your job, a, a, an appreciation for your boss is demonstrated by the fact that you do the things that you're supposed to do. We may not like the idea of boss, but the reality of boss is reality. You have a boss, he tells you to do it, you do it. You have a parent, your parent tells you to do it, you do it. You have a God in your life, and that God tells you to do it, and you do it. And that is how you demonstrate the proper respect and love and appreciation for who God actually is. And if you have, if your concept of God is one in which this God does not care about your obedience... You are worshiping something, but it's not an authoritative universe-creating God. It's not capital G God. It's something else entirely. And so, there are some of us, we just kind of need to wake up a little bit. Because, man, I, I, I want to be somebody. I'm here today. I'm here today because I, I want... I, I, I want to love God. I want to have a relationship with God. I want to experience God in some way. Well, are, are, are you obeying Him? Or are you one of these people who has no idea about appropriate boundaries between men and women? Are, are you um, not just simply doing bad things, but are you not doing the right things? Are you an advocate for the people who need a voice? Are you loving and actually bringing healing and restoration in racial lines and poverty lines and to the hopeless? Are you doing the things that you're supposed to be doing and not doing the things you know you're not supposed to be doing? Sometimes, sometimes I get up here and this one of the complications of my job is like, man, there's times I feel like I have to explain 
really complicated theological concepts. But I need to explain them in such a way that someone who doesn't have any familiarity with the Bible or with, with church can, can explain them in such a way where really anybody could come in here and understand it, right? And that, that can be challenging, but it, it's good. It's, what I, it's one of the things I really love about this job is kind of breaking complex things down and, and putting them in ways where we can understand them. Can we all agree that today is not that day? Can we just at least at a minimum, you can just reject this all day long and you can decide to put me into the category of just another angry preacher who's trying to control you. But can we agree at a minimum at least that the concept is simple? If God says do it, do it. If God says don't do it, don't do it. But we have these tiers, right? We have these kind of this ranking system, don't we? There's certain things, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no murders, no murders. The thing where Jesus says hate is murder, that's a little crazy, but but no real murders, no real murders, and no no adultery, you know, and you know, porn doesn't count, and lust doesn't count, and flirting doesn't count, and you know, but but no real adultery, no real adultery, and, and lying's bad, not lying's bad. Well, not all lying bad, but most lying, most lying is bad. I, I agree with that. Coming to church, coming to church, coming to church at least once a month. That. That, that's important, that's, that, yeah, okay. Tithing, no, no, that's for graduate, that's like graduate level, that's like when you're trying to get your master's degree, that's what that is. The Great Commission, where I'm supposed to go and make disciples, I'm supposed to share my faith, I'm supposed to mentor somebody, that, that's for people who are trying to get extra points and, 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 and preachers and, and people like that, that's, that's not. Well, we don't, we don't get to do that, we don't get to, we don't get to rank the commands, Based on convenience or, 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 or preference? Because here's the deal. Let's, let's, go back. let's go back to that verse, verse 21. Look at it again. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So he kind of makes it about as clear as you can. Listen. Here's how I know that someone really loves me. It's the person who understands my commandments and keeps them. And here's what will happen. If you'll love me, um, then, then the Father will love you. And, and I'll respond to you with a deeper and greater love. And I'll show myself to you. Presence, hope, peace, guidance. The presence of God being powerful and real in my life. Now, I know that we all come here for different reasons. We have different backgrounds. We have different ideas. But I think one thing that we can all say is that we come to a church, or this church in particular, because I want to encounter God in some way. I'm hoping that through, through the worship or, or through, um, through, through some word, that I'm going to encounter and experience the presence of God in a real, powerful, tangible way. That's what I want. Everybody wants that. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here. I, I, I need that. I want that. And this promise, this promise that I will receive the love of God the Father, I'll receive the love of Jesus Christ, and He'll show Himself to me in a powerful, personal, intimate way. In verse 23, He's going to make His, he's going to make his home with me. He'll, he'll live in this encountering way with me. That's what I want. We all want that promise, don't we? We'll say it this way. 
We want the promise, but we reject the premise. That's quippy, right? You should tweet that. We want the promise, but we reject the premise. I want God's presence in my life to be powerful, but I want obedience to be optional. And it's just very, very important that you walk out of here recognizing that that's not the case. That the commands in Scripture are commands and directives for all of our lives. And that's why on that wheel that one of the spokes, one of the things that's really important is going to be our knowledge and understanding of the Word. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we can, we can understand God's Word in a deeper and better way because it can be pretty complex. Kind of what these commands really mean and what I'm required of me. But some of them, let's just be honest. Not all of them are. Some of them are real simple. Some of the things that you're doing you know are wrong and you should stop. And there are some really good things you know you're supposed to be doing that you're not. But we've got every excuse in the world, don't we? We've got every excuse in the world for why we don't do this. Well, you know, man, this is how I am. I was, I was born this way. It's, it's my nature. I'm just kinda, this is kind of just in me. I don't know what to do. Well, I'm not, no, one's really, no one's really getting hurt. No one's getting hurt by this. Everyone, everyone does it. I mean, it's just how the world works. It's how my job works. It's just kind of how life is. Everyone does it. It's, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. And can we just agree they're, they're a little bit outdated anyway? I mean, what year is this? What century is this? These outdated ideas. And it's, it's my business. It's no, one, it's no one's business what I do. I, I, I have agency. I have, I, 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 I do, I, it's me. And I don't, God should just love me for who I am. These are the things that we say. And what becomes apparent to me is I was making this list to tie it all back together to the beginning that we really are just adolescents walking around pretending to be adults. Saying the same thing that a 10-year-old would say to you of why they didn't clean their room. There are too many of us. We just haven't graduated from childhood. We just haven't. And we are rejecting the obvious and clear authority in our life. And at the same time, by rejecting that authority, we are holding ourselves back from the thing that we would all say that we want, which is a powerful encounter and the hope and love and guidance of the God of the universe. So I'm, 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 I'm kind of end with this question. What if the gap between where you are and where you want to be is your obedience? What if that's the gap? I'm here, I wish I were here, and the gap is your obedience. Now I want to pause and I just want to say something real quick because I don't want you to take this too far. I'm, 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 I'm going to qualify what I'm saying and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to punch you again, okay? All right, can we do that? So, listen, that's not, it's not always the case. 
Some of the struggles and the things that you're facing right now are not directed at all to your obedience or disobedience. Sometimes the world is just awful and terrible. Sometimes God, even though you're being obedient, is, is, is testing and refining and improving your character for reasons that don't have anything to do with your obedience or not, okay? I want you to be clear. I do not want you to walk out of here thinking that what I'm saying is if something bad happens to you or there's something wrong in your life, it's because you're being disobedient, okay? Are we clear on that? Nod your head. Okay. But, let's be honest. Most of us would have to acknowledge that there is a real gap between where I am and where I want to be. And I know that it's based on my own disobedience. And I don't have to make a list for you. I don't. I don't have to remind you of a hundred different commands from the Bible. But as soon as I said, there's something in your life that you're doing that you know you shouldn't, it came to your mind. And I said, there's something you should be doing that you're not, that God's been telling you to do for a while, and you're choosing not to. It came to your mind. We understand. I, if I'm willing to acknowledge that the reason that my finances are struggling is because I'm not willing to be obedient to God in tithing. I know that my marriage is struggling because I'm not being the husband or the wife that I'm being called to be. I know that I'm struggling at work because of my lack of integrity. And I know that my spiritual life is struggling because of my lack of intentional pursuit of God. I know that. I know it. I don't need somebody to say, but it's time for us to take a minute and acknowledge it. It's time for us to stop being our own worst enemy. It's time for us to stop being the thing that is most keeping us from being the person that we want to be. Sometimes it's circumstances, but way more times in circumstances, it's you. It's me. I'm holding me back. And so, that voice, that voice that is saying to you, hey, you know, he's right. You need to stop this. You need to start doing this. That voice, as we reflect and we have our time of worship, listen powerfully to that voice. Give that voice more volume in your mind. And then follow it up just by asking God, God, give me the strength to follow through. The prayer team would love to pray with you if you need. Um, there's, There's communion in the back. There's prayer candles, there's a cross there's lots of ways to just kind of spiritually respond to God say God I'm, I'm, I'm tired of being the one that's holding me back help me, help me we have an opportunity as always during this time for giving and again I just know because I've been around a long time and I've met a lot of people, I know that for a lot of us, we're struggling in our finances we're hurting, we're confused we're stressed And a lot of times that's predicated on our own disobedience. So we have an opportunity. If that's the thing that God's putting on your heart and mind today, you can can very quickly respond to that. And I just kind of, as as kind of some personal housekeeping, um, about six weeks ago, things were looking pretty bad. We are about $57,000 in the deficit for our budget year that started in July. And just in the last six weeks alone, that has gone from 57 to 31. 
which means not only have we been receiving everything that we need to kind of operate, but getting over and above in a huge way. And that's been a cause of celebration that I just kind of wanted to share with you. Um, that people are responding to, to this call. And I just continue to encourage you to do that. This thing that we're doing together requires all of us. And appreciate that and your involvement and your faithfulness. But let's just end. Let's just end with this. Am I the one that is holding me back? And if so, God, what would you have me do? Let's pray.